darling. <laughs> Thanks, Nicola. Muscles, look at you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, team. That was terrific. It's great to see you. Oh, gosh. Hun, can you find my glasses in my bag? Because I'm going to be doing a lot of this otherwise. <laughs> I keep forgetting I need them. It's just gotten worse, yeah. <laughs> They're probably really dirty. Thank you. <laughs> oh, great to see you. Great to see you. Gosh, it's not so nice to have people in the building. I have hated preaching to a camera. It is awesome having everyone back, uh, but I'm, I won't ignore the camera. It's great to see everyone at home in house churches or just at home on your own watching today. You are part of us as well. Donna Dobson, good to see you still in your pyjamas. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great. In fact, if you're at home, why don't you take a photo of yourself watching church and pop it on our Strong Nation Church uh, Facebook page so we can feel like we're all together because uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's still, uh, I still miss so many people. And uh, we are still praying for a venue for, for mountains, for Penrith. We need some, we need some solutions there. Believe God's going to do it for us, but can you pray and believe with us uh, for that to, to happen quickly? Um, we, we can meet here, but uh, when you're living all the way in uh, Lawson, that's quite, quite an effort to come all the way down. So, <laughs> um, great. All right, awesome. Well, this year we've been doing a series under the banner of This New Kingdom. And there's been some fantastic messages preached. And of course, we, we're kind of just bringing, bringing it right down now. We've got the magnifying glass out to this new church, this new me. And we've had some terrific messages. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Judah preached about the gift of unity. And I felt like it was really prophetic as he spoke over the church and, uh, you know, really believed that God was actually strengthening the church. Uh, and then Pastor Jesse, he preached on the gift of faith. And there was a beautiful challenge about, uh, you know, bringing our dead faith to the Lord, those areas of our faith that are kind of dead and just letting God breathe on them and do something fresh and you in that and, and Chris shared last last week and again on unity and, and just how we handle disagreement and some of those really pertinent issues to today, to what we're living through today. And I, I really hope that today I can share a word that is going to really just uh, add to that picture and just speak prophetically into your hearts, into your spirits and encourage you because we need some encouragement, Amen. We need to encourage one another, especially more, so much more as the day approaches. Amen. Just as the, the word says. And so we need some encouragement. And so I just want to begin with this scripture here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it says this, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then... Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake. Amen? Are you awake? Nudge the person next to you. Are you awake? We take a tax if you sleep in church. You have to, we get tax on your tithe. <laughs> no sleeping in church. Now look, I'm quite aware that many of you, especially on the live stream, are probably watching this in bed. <laughs> We're all in different states of being awake this morning. In fact, who's, who's a real morning person? Oh, you get out of bed and you just jump. You are ready, ready for action. Right. Who, who takes a little bit of time to wake up? Right, yeah, okay, that's a little bit more. Who really needs their coffee before they wake up in the morning? 
Okay, there's a few of you like, yes, hallelujah, I'm not alone. <laughs> My dad was a morning person. I've got this very vivid memory um, every morning. My dad would get up and he would come down the stairs. Like their, their bedroom was upstairs, ours was down. And I would hear him coming down the stairs, blowing his nose. And it was like a trumpet. It wasn't a... It was a... Kind of sound. And that's what I would hear. And I'd be like, oh no, I'll put the pillow over my head. I don't, I don't want to get up yet. It's too early. <laughs> I was not a morning person. And you know, I was thinking about what it's like to be awakened, and uh, you know, there, there can be those nice, gentle awakenings. We've we've had some holidays. Uh, Rick and I had a bit of bit of a holiday. We went to Kiama. You know, it's tough. It's really tough doing it down there, Kiama. And uh, you know, and we kind of woke up when we woke up. It was amazing, and just kind of decided when we would toddle off and have some breakfast. It was incredible. It was. It was. I, I like that gentle waking up. Anyone else with me on the gentle waking up? Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice, isn't it? Who, who woke up to the sound of the rain on the roof? It's like, ah, oh, magical, beautiful. Uh, but there are other times when you get thrown wide awake. You know, the, the middle of the night, the bumps in the night, or the screams of the children in the middle of the night. I'll never forget the night that Charlie woke me up screaming. Like, I honestly, I ran to the end of the hall before my eyes actually opened and, uh, and got around into her bedroom, discovered that the cat had dragged a rabbit into the house through the window and was chasing the rabbit around Charlie's bedroom. And I didn't know that rabbits can make this sound. <coughs> Did you know rabbits can make that sound? I had no idea they could make that sound. And so in the, like, the horror of it all, I just swept Charlie up into my arms and shut the door behind me before the cat and the rabbit could make it out. And because I'm thinking, oh no, I'm not having this around my entire house tonight. And then I took her into bed with us. And then for the rest of the night was in the fetal position as I heard the cat chasing the rabbit around the bedroom. And in the morning, in the morning, there was just some little entrails left on the, on the carpet floor. It had eaten the entire thing. And amazingly, Rick slept through the entire thing. <laughs> Didn't hear a thing. Didn't feel me rocking in the fetal position. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> All he heard was the next morning was, babe, do you think you could take care of the rabbit entrails in Charlie's bedroom? <laughs> and that was it. In fact, <laughs> coincidentally, this morning as we opened our front door, there was half an eaten rabbit on our front doorstep. <clears throat> I was again asking him to remove the entrails. <laughs> so we can be thrown awake. Uh, and I'm sure you all have a story of being thrown awake in the middle of the night, uh, some bump in the night, some sudden thing that has thrown you awake. Uh, and of course, we much prefer to be woken slowly, gently in our own time, but sometimes we get thrown awake. And I do feel in many ways on a metaphorical level, we have been thrown awake by the events of the last two years. In Hebrews chapter 12 says this, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. Indicating the removing of what can be be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. This is important. 
This is important. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Amen. I tell you, the last couple of years have definitely felt like a shaking. And I don't know about you, maybe you've been a bit like me, but I have definitely found myself at times caught up in the event of the shaking instead of perceiving what cannot be shaken. Are you feeling awake yet? Feeling awake? (laughs) The state of being awake was really important to Jesus. He spoke of it many times in parables and in direct conversation with his disciples. And I just want to pull out the the parable of the ten virgins. I know you probably know it well, but let me just read it for you here in Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Maybe Jesus was giving us a little hint (laughs) with that. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, He's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep Watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You know, Jesus told this incredible story, this this parable that that the people of the day would would appreciate and understand. This idea of of being ready, uh, you know, for for such a significant celebration, a significant event, a life-altering event. And he's like, I need you guys to stay alert, to watch, to be awake, be awake. For this. Don't miss this. Be ready. Be in a state of anticipation. Be in a state of ready, readiness. And so he urged us, Paul urged the church as well uh, in many, many of his letters to the, to the churches. And I believe prophetically in this hour, the church is being shaken awake. It's being shaken awake. So what are we awake to? Well, we're not woke, okay? We're awake not woke, all right? Okay, so woke, let's, let's face it, woke is very much about human wisdom and understanding. Awake is very much about God's wisdom and understanding. Woke believes that injustice equals hurt feelings. But awake understands God's justice and what really truly is injustice on the earth and what God can bring to that. Woke seeks to divide us It seeks to make an enemy out of anyone who doesn't fit into our tribe. But awake, awake is when we realise that we're all in the same boat. We're all made in the image of God. We are all separated from God because of sin and we're all in desperate need of Jesus to save us. We all have the same eternity unless we turn to Jesus. We're united in that revelation and we know the enemy, the true enemy is not our fellow man, it's the devil. It's the principalities and powers. It is not our fellow man. We are not woke. We are awake. Do you feel awake this morning, church? Yeah, 
turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not woke, I'm awake. Okay, the church should definitely stay away from oppression Olympics. We are awake. We are awake to kingdom things, kingdom of heaven on the earth. Amen? I don't think you're awake. Amen? Yeah, that's better. Oh, God, gosh. Wow. No taxes today. Okay. So what are we awake to? Our first thing, we're awake to many things. But I'm just going to do three things because it's very Pentecostal to do three things. And um, maybe you can remember it. I've got three things to talk about. Um, we're, we're, awake, we're awake to this thing. Number one, to our spiritual condition and the reality of Jesus. Have you ever thought about how amazing that is? Not everyone has had that revelation. They're asleep. They're unaware of their sin. They're oblivious to who Jesus is and what he did. They don't understand that they face an eternity without God. A punishment for their, for their sin. They don't, they don't get it. They don't know. They've got no revelation of it. And they don't want to know. But you and I have a revelation. Do you understand what a miracle it is? That is unbelievably special. That we are awake to our spiritual condition and the reality of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's our story. That's us. That's not everyone. You do realise that. We are a chosen few. It's like the words in Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. Do you know what a gift it is to be able to see? I speak to my lost friends. And, you know, they, they can't see. They don't see. They've got no revelation. But the fact that we have faith in Jesus Christ today means that we have had that revelation. Don't take that for granted, church. That's special. That is really special. I was 12 years old and I was going to hell over a chocolate biscuit. Mum had bought chocolate biscuits. Now, my mum is a health fanatic, well, she was a health fanatic, and growing up, we did not have many sugary treats. In fact, I did not grow up on chocolate, I grew up on carob. I actually like carob because I grew up on it. Mum used to put dried fruit in our Christmas stockings. I mean, like, she was a health nut. <laughs> 
And she was really before her time, which she really was. Now it's just kind of a normal level of nutrition knowledge. Back then it was really unusual, right? You know, good old 70s. Anyway, <laughs> um, but she had these chocolate biscuits in, in the fridge for Dad. They were for Dad, special treats. And of course, I'm 12 and I'm getting a sugar craving and I'm looking in that fridge and I'm like, I could really do with a hit of that chocolate biscuit. Now, I don't, I don't know what chocolate biscuit it was. I don't know whether it was Tim Tams or Monte Carlos or Mint Slices. Someone should do a quick Google search and see what chocolate biscuits were actually out in 1981 because I can't remember which chocolate biscuit it was. But it was chocolate biscuits. They were, they were Dad's kind of favourite, so they were the key ones that, uh, that I remember, recall. But anyway, <laughs> so I took this chocolate biscuit and put the chocolate packet back on the shelf exactly where I found it. Creases all exactly, you know, exactly the position in the fridge, like nobody had touched it. Of course, my mum. Who ate the chocolate biscuit? <sighs> Not me! I went to bed that night. I'm lying in bed. And I'm thinking about the fact that I had lied to my mother. And something hit me. I had a full adult weight of a revelation of sin. And I lay there and tears came to my eyes as the, I believe the Spirit of God just came on me and gave me a revelation that I was very lost without him. I was very, very lost in my sin. And I began to cry out to God in repentance and I had a, an incredible I'd say an adult load sized sense of who Jesus was and my desperate, desperate need for him. Don't underestimate what a 12 year old's capable of because it was profound and life lasting in that moment. And you think over a chocolate biscuit? Yeah, well, you know, many of your forefathers ended up in Australia for less. <laughs> right? Still a loaf of bread. Off you go to, to convict, the colonies, off, off to the colonies. That chocolate biscuit <laughs> led me to a real revelation of my sin and my need for Jesus. I went out to my mum in tears and repented to her about the stolen biscuit. But something very hugely eternal had happened in my heart that, that night. I don't know what that moment looked like for you. Maybe, maybe my story's caused you to reflect on yours. Maybe it was in a, an hour of desperate need or maybe it was just a very ordinary moment where you realised your need for God. But I'm telling you that that is a gift. It's a gift to be awake to that reality. It's a gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, I don't know why some hear that and respond and some hear that and do not. I don't know. Why do some reject it? Why are hearts closed and other hearts open? For me, I, I feel like the soil of men's hearts feels harder than ever in some ways. But you know, there's always some that'll be like us and they're ready for that revelation. So I'm grateful today as a church that we're awake. We're awake to our spiritual condition and our need for Jesus Christ, the reality of Jesus Christ. The second thing, the second thing I believe we are awake to and 
Not every believer can say this, but we are awake to the reality of the Holy Spirit. The reality of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus was telling His disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And He says this, If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He lives with you and will be in you. And then a a few verses down, He says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. How beautiful is it to know the Holy Spirit? How beautiful is it to be awake to the person of the Holy Spirit? I found myself doing a little bit of a study of um, Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, and I found it really fascinating because uh, you see this picture of of the Apostle Paul, and he had he had begun this congregation, this this uh, you know this group of believers, brand new believers uh, in Thessalonica, and uh, and he'd been forced out of the city because of persecution. He'd, he'd really kind of been chased out. He'd only had a few months to really establish, try and establish this church, and you know teach them the tenets of their faith, and you know just encourage them, and exhort them, and bring them together as as a body of believers, and you know, kind of show them the rhythms and the and the and the patterns that uh, you know that he'd he'd learnt, especially in his time with the disciples in Jerusalem, and you know just that that picture of life with Jesus every day, that walk with Jesus. And he'd only had a few months, a few precious months with this this young little little seedling of a church, and then he got pushed out. And it's not like today where he could just live stream in on a Sunday and you know <laughs> make sure that they're okay and give them a good bit of good teaching or have a phone call. I mean, it, it was such a different time he was so cut off from them and it actually says he was he was really worried he was so anxious about this church and and it actually says that uh, he was worried that all that they had invested would be for nothing be for nothing you know having having set this thing up and invested so hard and worked so hard with him it was, it was all to be for nothing and it, it was so worried him like this is the apostle paul <laughs> It's hard to sort of see him worried, but he was. He was, he was really agonising over the church. I've got to tell you, I feel that because the last two years has been a lot of that for Rick and I. We can't see you. We, we have to kind of trust on a phone call or trust on our leaders to know if you're okay. We don't know. Like, are you okay? Are you surviving? <laughs> we hate that we can't meet together. And, and I, I totally identified with Paul. I just sort of sat there when it says, you know, I'm just worried, it's all for nothing. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so depressing. But then he sends Timothy, he gets the opportunity to send Timothy to check on the church. And Timothy comes back with the best news. They're doing awesome. They're actually loving each other. They're holding on to the tenets of faith. They're loving Jesus. They're living the way you instructed them to. It's brilliant. And Paul was astonished. He was astonished. But here's the thing. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He keeps teaching and guiding and convicting and revealing truth and comforting and counselling and ministering to us. He's awesome. 
We're awake to the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, as stories have come back to me, you know, as we've begun to reunite with people and the stories have come back, I want to tell you, I am so grateful for the Holy Spirit in this church. You guys are spiritual giants. You have walked with the Holy Spirit. You have stayed in His Word. You have trusted God. You have lent into Him. It hasn't felt great. But we haven't let go of our Saviour. We've battled all kinds of different things in this season. You know, last year, we had countless marriages in, in peril. But the Holy Spirit has prevailed. He's prevailed in their lives. He's prevailed in you. And I want to tell you, Strong Nation Church, you are a church full of spiritual giants. And just like Paul, I'm sighing this, thank you, God, relief. (laughs) Because we're awake. We're awake to the Holy Spirit and all that He brings to us. You know, Jesus, uh, again, in, in Acts chapter 1, He's talking to the disciples. He's setting up this expectation of what the Holy Spirit would bring. And He says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, the abiding presence of God resident within us. Are you feeling awake yet? Are you feeling awake? Because the Holy Spirit is within you and I tell you one moment with the Holy Spirit can change everything. I've got to tell you, I've had moments, especially this year, I have felt so utterly powerless. It has been so hard to watch the nation that I grew up in become something I cannot recognise. I just can't recognise it. And the division that's gone on and the, and the hatred and the spite that's come uh, from, from people towards one another and, the, and the, the idea that we dob one another in and like, things that are so un-Australian. And I've despaired, I felt, I felt utterly hopeless and I've cried out to God so many times, you know. I've gone from feeling numb to feeling really angry. Sometimes in the space of a day, actually sometimes in the space of an hour. <laughs> I've gone, I've done the whole range. You know, it's like, God, what should I be feeling right now? I don't know. What are we supposed to be doing? The government has deemed us non-essential as the church. What the heck? What the heck? Like, there can't be anything more essential than the church in an hour like this. And so I've despaired. I've had this moment with God and then God has reminded me, Naomi, you're looking at what can be shaken. Why don't you look at what cannot be shaken? And I felt just, I was just sitting in my armchair in front of the TV. I, don't, I wasn't even really watching. I was just crying out to God, like, God, I feel so powerless right now. And I, I just felt the, this surge of power in my chest and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I cannot be shaken. I cannot be shaken. And in that moment, in that moment, all that powerlessness just disappeared. And suddenly I just felt open to possibility. I felt like mountains could be moved. 
I felt like all the things that just seemed impossible to happen were possible. Hope just surged in my chest. I want to tell you that this is what it's like to be awake to the Holy Spirit. If we're more awake to Him than we are to the circumstances around us, I'm telling you, you feel powerful. You feel powerful. How many of you could do with a bit of that today? Feel a bit of power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. We are awake. And maybe we're in different states of awake. Sometimes maybe you're a bit groggy and needing that cup of coffee. But I'm telling you, if you all awake to the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe we haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. Watch what the Holy Spirit is about to do in and through your life. Number three, the third thing I believe we're awake to is we're awake to the hour on the earth. We're awake to the hour on the earth. This hour that we are living in right now, we're awake to it. There's been a lot of preaching and prophesying about the return of Jesus. I kind of love that stuff. I like sending things to Sammy. She likes sending things to me. I love pouring over the scriptures and trying to guess which kind of Bible prophecy, you know, how it's manifesting and what this looks like, what that looks like. Some of it gets a bit weird. You know, like you're scrolling through and some of those YouTube clips, like it gets a little, it gets a little out there, but God bless him for trying. Like it's cool. Um, and I suppose, you know, I've been, talk, I've been listening to this stuff about Jesus' return and since I was a kid. That was a really long time ago. And so you can get a bit cynical and sceptical over the years about it, you know. Uh, even, maybe even a bit fearful because it's so unknown. What does the return of Jesus look like? I don't know. Lots of questions. Are we living in the end times? Probably. So much of Bible prophecy stands fulfilled. There doesn't seem like much left, really. And I look around the world and I feel like it should look like this just before Christ returns. It kind of should, should look like this. But I don't know. I don't know. All I know is Jesus asked us to live watchful and ready. Matthew 24. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I believe that the church is awakening to the hour on the earth. There's expectation in the air. And for the world, there's a sense of dread that comes with that. Right now, they're terrified. The world is terrified. And they're trying to pin it on climate change. We only have 12 more years. The dams will never be full again. They're trying to pin it on the pandemic or the next pandemic. Apparently there's more coming. Or they're trying to pin it on the brewing tensions with China. War is coming. We're all going to die. 
there is this feeling of dread and terror over the earth. And I believe that humanity is picking up on the message from heaven, which is time is running out. Time is running out. They're trying to blame something that they can have some measure of control over. But I'm telling you, we have no control over when God says, enough, Jesus, go. I feel like we are so close. Why is Hollywood so obsessed with making movies about apocalypses? Because they're picking up something. They're picking up a spirit. It's late in the hour. And I believe the church is awakening to the hour that it is living in right now on the earth. And I don't know what it looks like. At this stage, you know, Rick and I, we call ourselves pan-millennialists because we figure it all pan, pan out in the end. We don't actually know what happens. But, uh, but I, I, love to, uh, I love to kind of, you know, study my scripture and listen to different commentaries and theologians and try and get a handle on it. It looks like Jesus is going to return and reign for a thousand years and restore this earth to what it should have been before sin. And he's not going to rule through the governments of the day. He's going to rule through his church. Who are you going to be when you're ruling and reigning with Jesus? What's that going to look like for you? He'll transform our bodies so that we can rule and reign with him for that thousand years. He'll show us what life without the, without the devil, without the curse of sin, was meant to be on the earth. Are you ready to rule and reign with Jesus? Are you ready for that? You ready for that day? Let me tell you, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this. We are living in an hour of the earth where the church has never been more important. It has never been more essential to have the church on the earth. It has never been more crucial for believers to know who they are, to know the message that they carry, to know the kingdom that they represent, to know the truth, to know righteousness, to stand up for true injustice. It's never been more important for the church to know who she is as it is right now. This is the hour. This is the hour. We've all been shaken. We've all been shaken. But you know what can't be shaken? The church of Jesus Christ. It will remain. It will be there on that last day to meet Him in the air and to rule for a thousand years with Him. That's what you can expect. Are we awake to that? Are you awake to that? I'm going to ask the musos to, to come on up. and Ella, I've changed my mind. Can we do new wine? Thanks, darling. <laughs> the church is awake because we know what's coming. And I tell you, it's a sweet relief. It's a sweet relief. A reunion with our loving Saviour. The vindication of our hope and our faith. Our reward. This is sometimes the time in the message where the preacher starts to beat you over the head about evangelising and getting the world saved. I don't believe that that's what Jesus wants to say to you today. He wants you to know he's really excited. He's really excited. He cannot wait 
to be with you. He can't wait. He's just waiting for the Father to look across to Him and give Him the nod. He's ready. He's mounted on the horse and He's ready. And He cannot wait to be with you. He can't wait to show you what earth was supposed to look like without sin, without the devil. He can't wait to raise you to rule and reign with Him on the earth. He can't wait. He's so excited. He's so excited. The church is awakening to the hour on the earth, to her significance, to your significance. You're significant in this hour, church. Revelations 3.2 tells us to wake up and strengthen what remains. We're going to strengthen each other. We're going to strengthen our faith. We're going to strengthen our families. We're going to strengthen our love for God. We're going to strengthen our position as His church. We're going to strengthen our message. We're going to strengthen ourselves because the hour is late. It's late. And God chose us to be on the earth for this hour. I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us. Stay with us for a little bit, those that are on live stream, because this is for you too. We love you, whatever room you're sitting in. Why don't we just stand to our feet? Because I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to each and every one of us. He's awakening us. He's awakening us, church. He's awakening us to a lot of things. I've mentioned three really key, very important things today. He's awakening us to a lot of things. He's awakening some of you to your dreams. Been asleep for a long time. He's awakening you to some truth. He's awakening you to a fight. It's a good awakening. He's a faithful God. It is a good awakening. We're going we're gonna to sing this song and allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to you. If you just want the singers to just sing over you this morning and you just stand in His presence, why don't you do that? But we're going to sing this song through and then I want to come and I just want to pray over all of you. Thanks, Ella. <laughs>